This past week, you looked at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. This week, for our study on Wednesday night, you have been studying verses 5 through 9. And I encourage you, if you haven't been in in the Second Peter study, to, to get in it. We're taking small sections of Scripture, reading them over every day, and uh, seeing what God does in our lives as a result. But I want to read uh, the first four verses of Second Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who hath called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord, we pause now because we seriously want your Spirit to give us direction. We thank you that we have access to your Word. We thank you that your Word is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword and is able to penetrate our hearts. And Lord, we desire your word to do that today and to transform our lives for your glory as we look to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure, how many of you have seen the Antique Roadshow? You've seen any parts of that? Some time ago, we happened across it, and and it's it's fascinating to me. People bring this stuff in that they have antique professionals um, tell the value of it, and and of course, everyone comes into this thinking, "Man, I I hope this baby is able to make me retire and buy my dream land and home and." And and you can see them saying, wow, you know, they'll start out, wow, you have quite a rare piece. Where would you get this? And they'll so and so and so and so. And they'll say, you know, and they'll start pointing out, this is rare, this is rare, and and you have a valuable piece. Would you like to know what it's worth? Never once has one said, no, I, I don't want to know what it's worth. Yeah. And and sometimes it's worth more than they thought. Sometimes it's worth more than it should be worth. But every once in a while, um, it, it, it may just shock them at what this is worth. More times than not, the little bit that I've seen, you know, they're happy that they found out it's worth that much, but... You could almost see the the sadness on their face, like, is that all it's worth? Two thousand. I was hoping it was worth two hundred thousand. You know what I mean? But what makes those things of great worth 
is when they say, well, do you know how many of these were made? No, I don't. There were only 42 of those made. And they go, really? When there is a limited number of something, it becomes much more valuable. Richard Jackson was sharing with us a week or two ago, um, kind of as a hobby. He has a metal detector, and he and some guys go out. And and, um, he said he went to meet some guys that were out at a certain location checking just and he said I showed up and ten minutes after he showed up said there's something down there he dug a little bit and pulled up a little penny and when he looked at the penny he was able to see it was an eighteen fifty eight penny Not only that, it it was a flying eagle penny, which they only made for three years, you said, right? We will be selling metal detectors in the lobby right after the service this morning. We got a good price on them, all right? Now, before you get any ideas, he's not buying a farm with that penny. But, you know, it's, it's pretty unique that... He was able to find and put his hands on a penny that preceded the Civil War. And and a penny that there were only three years that they were made. That makes that special. That makes that, he didn't just stick it in his pocket and say, next time at Casey's I need something to pay for some tax on my soda or whatever. No, that's that's valuable to him. Well, you know, many times in our life, we don't realize what we really have and how valuable it is until often we come to get a, a fresh awareness of what we have. In the book of First and Second Peter, Peter uses the word precious many times in the books. And when he uses that word, it means, as we think of it, valuable or costly or to be honored, esteemed, to be held dearly. It it has a great um, reputation to be honored. He uses the word that is translated precious. In 1 Peter 1, 7, he said, The trial of your faith is much more precious than of gold. So he says, he says, the trials that we go through are more valuable than, than any gold or silver that, that can be won. In 1 Peter 1, he, he says, The blood of Jesus Christ is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Meaning, you think of it, it is only the blood of Jesus Christ that provides remission of sin. In 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 4, he says that it is the, Jesus Christ is the, the chief cornerstone, meaning 
the building, the house of God is built around and plumbed and measured and squared off Jesus Christ. And, and he said he is elect and precious. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 7, he said unto those of us who believe the Lord is precious. And we read in First Peter chapter or Second Peter chapter one and verse four that God has given unto us many exceeding great and precious promises. Peter lists the preciousness of Christ's blood, of Christ's promises, of Christ Himself, of faith, and and the discipline to walk in the faith. But in verse one of Second Peter 1, he said, to those who have obtained like precious faith. And, and I want us to renew our minds today to see how precious our faith is, how rare, how valuable, how, um, Yes, dated, and yes, personal, our faith is. It's easy for us to take it for granted, especially if we've grown up in a Christian home and been around it. But I want us to see what makes our faith precious. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this first point, not because it's not important. It is very important, but... We have recently spent time on this. Number one, the price that was paid. Jesus Christ, God sent his son into the world. We've just come less than a month ago celebrating the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we've, we've thought about the aspect that God sent his son, that Jesus Christ in the form of of man, took upon himself the form of man. Though he were God, he humbled himself. And then all that he endured in this life, he was accused of of being of the devil. Here he is, God in the flesh, and, and they called him of the devil. And then, needless to say, all the the physical... Um, Abuse that he endured. But we'll never be able to fully imagine what Christ endured physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. We will never be able to comprehend the price that was paid for our salvation. I don't know if, if any of you parents, and I'm certain that you have, have ever ever done anything along this line. But to emphasize to your kids, you know, maybe they're they're messing with the mower or or fooling around with the car or something, and you say, "Do you know how much this costs? You better take care of this." And we're trying to emphasize, you know, things just don't pop up. Like, oh, wow, there's a new car in the driveway, you know. I mean, simple little things. And we'll say, do you realize what this costs? We had in, when I was in Bible college, 
our president would drill into us, shut off the lights. If you're not using them in the room, shut the light off. When you leave a room, shut the light off. And why? It costs money to have lights on. I think people nowadays think they, it pays you money when you leave lights on. You know what I'm saying? But it was a simple little thing that he's emphasizing. This costs something. Shut the lights off. We can never put a price on what our faith costs Jesus Christ. And in realizing and, and to not treat it lightly, to value this. If you've, if you've ever been given something that is, is valuable and rare and you realize, whoa, they invested a lot into this. But the reality is we'll never be able to fully comprehend the price that was paid. If you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm going to try to make some adjustments to this microphone. And I'm going backwards, all right? There we go. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In verse 21, you will find some pronouns, but you follow in your Bible, and I'm going to read it not with the pronouns. For God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Do you see the price that was paid? God made Jesus sin. I mean, just that. The holy God put upon Jesus our sin, made him to bear our sin and the penalty of our sin, made him to be sin for us, and he knew no sin. Jesus knew no sin. Why did he do it? That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's the price that was paid. So number one, what makes our faith precious or valuable is the price that was paid. Secondly, if you go back to Second Peter, he says that he is a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God our Savior in Jesus Christ. This, the faith that we have today in Jesus Christ, is the exact same faith that the apostles had. The term that he uses here is a Greek word that is used to designate equal in rank, position, and value. It is you, it was used in, in their day of strangers and foreigners who were given equal citizenship in, in the country that they were dwelling. And what Peter is saying, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ, meaning I, I walked with Jesus. I lived with Jesus. I heard Jesus teach. 
But he's writing to these believers and he said, you have the exact same faith that I have. And it's true for us today. We have the exact same faith that those that heard Jesus walked with Jesus. And there is no first class Christians. Well, they heard him. They walked with him. There are no second-class Christians. The faith given to these recipients of this letter and to us is of equal honor and privilege as those that was, give, that was given to the original apostles. And when you realize that, this, the same thing that we believe, that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins, And by yielding to him and submitting to him, I can have forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ. This is the exact same faith that they had. And that makes this very, very valuable. If I, I don't have, but if I came and I said, Look at this bat, this baseball bat that I have. It is an original bat that Babe Ruth had. If you knew anything about baseball, you'd say, wow. And your next question would be, where did you get it and how do you know that it's the original? See, we value something that someone that is notorious or... Or famous, this, you mean this is the, this is the very real thing. This is a, the very real penny that in 1858 someone carried in their pocket and probably bought a gallon of gas with it, okay? I mean, wow, that, that goes way back to there. Our faith. The exact same faith through generation after generation has been passed down. Truth has been passed down. And we believe the exact same thing that Peter and James and John did. That is incredible. That is amazing. We, we, the original has been passed down and passed down. And we talk about the price that is paid by Jesus Christ, but the price that has been paid by individuals to carry on the gospel so that we're able to have it. We're, we're here as, as resident citizens of the United States of America. There were people that paid the price that boarded a ship to travel to America. Half of them died. Why were they coming here? The overwhelming desire was they wanted a place to worship freely. And they paid the price that over half of them died that first winter. And yet they were willing to do that so that we would be the beneficiaries of freedom where the gospel is freely preached and you have been able to hear it one way or another and respond, wow, the same faith of the Puritans and the pilgrims that we, that, that motivated them to come. That's it. 
The same faith of William Carey. The same faith of D.L. Moody. It's the same faith as Peter, James, and John, and the same faith as us. But we need to be reminded that this faith is precious because it is rare. You may have heard people say, if we would, if we would just carry the gospel and, and if one person would just win in one person a year, before long we could win the whole world. That sounds good, but it's not biblical. God says in Matthew chapter 7, the whole world will never be won. He said, broad is the gate and wide is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. But he said, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. So the day is never going to come that the majority of the world in in this age of grace, that the majority of the world is believers. Do you understand what a rarity it is that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? In, in the world today, this is as broad a definition of Christian that you can get. It's... It's anybody that would give any semblance of credence to Jesus Christ. So it's as broad as a definition. Even with that broad definition, there, they say there's 32% of the world are Christians. Okay? Let, let's just, if this group would stand up and this group would stand up, would you? I, I didn't do a numbers count, but I would say that would represent maybe about a third of of our attendance here today. That means, folks, if we represented the world, these people would be saved and everybody here would be lost. Now, that is in the broadest sense. There is no, I don't believe that one-third of the world is Christian, not in any stretch of the imagination. So let's just have this group sit down for now, okay? Think, think right here, this group. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ in all the world's population, the minority, you are in this group that that ought to make you say, Hallelujah, God, this is precious. Now, let's just have Gary and Lucas remain standing. The rest of you sit down. No, Lucas, you sit down. Gary, you remain standing. And Chasen, would you stand up? I don't, I'm not choosing Chasen over you. I want to illustrate something here. This last week, I was able to meet up with Hassan, a Moroccan pastor that I met in Tunisia. He lives in Morocco, which is 99.9% Islam. 
But let's just say in many countries, 90% of the population is Islamic. If we were living in that country, there would be one believer, two believers. Let's just, we're just, I'm sure there's more than 200 here, but we're just saying for the sake of numbers, 200. There would be two believers, and the reason I separated them, they often would not even know each other. And here we sit, surrounded by believers. It is rare, thank you, man, you may be seated. I just thought his siblings are going to say, he called you a man. He doesn't know you're a boy, does he, right? I know families. You're a man, all right? That you are a child of God is rare in the world today. We take it for granted. You may work with some Christians. Your family may be the majority of Christians. But the reality is this is a precious, precious gift that is very, very rare. And that that it is something we are able to be a part of. It is not only rare, what makes it precious is that it is personal. You understand, and we don't have time to go into this, but every one of us, including me, I am a really, really bad, terrible, awful, wicked, wretched sinner. And I am under the condemnation of my sin. I have violated God's law. We don't have time to go into it. But the reality is, John 3.36, we are under the wrath of God. And yet, God so loved me and you that he gave his only begotten son. I mean, this is where it makes it personal. It's just not statistics. It's now, you know, we 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 heard about Richard's penny. Oh, that's a nice story. It's his though. You know what I'm saying? It's nice that God loved the world, but it is personal. I by faith in Jesus Christ Am a child of God. I mean, there's no way he should have loved me. I mean, we're, we're reading through the Old Testament and you read about the laws and, and the laws of cleanliness and, and we were the lepers that were cast out and condemned and that no one should touch. We were the defiled ones. Our sin and yet God so loved us. And, and it made it personal. We cannot come to Christ and be justified until we have first been to Moses or the law to be condemned. And the law shows us our sin. The law shows us our guilt. The law shows us our condemnation. 
And we sang, now no condemnation, I fear I am his and he is mine. It's personal. This is my faith. It's precious. Um, I don't know how many of you listened to WHO, but I don't even remember what it's called. They, the word of the hour or something. And if you text it in, you can. Does anybody remember what it's called? And they've given away $1,000, $1,000 every hour, okay? And um, Marilyn said, I should do that. And, and if we win that, we'll give it to Asa for his trip. Well, Asa was all about that. So, so every once in a while, I'll get on my phone a text. They don't say the word to text. You text in a word, and every hour they're giving away $1,000. They'll text. The word is win. So you text it to 200-200 or something. And Well, let me give you a clue. It's not just WHO. That has a huge listening area. It's all their clear channel because we were traveling in another state and heard the same thing. So your chances of winning it aren't very high. But they'll play ads of people. I just won $1,000. I, I can't believe it. I just won $1,000. Why? Because it's personal. If I ever get a call that says that, I'll probably say the same thing because I don't believe it will happen, okay? But why do we get excited whether it's playing bingo at home with your family. <laughs> I about waited in. I got my waiters on before I went any deeper, okay? We love winning when it's personal. This is personal faith. This is personal faith. Forgiveness, this is the blood of Jesus Christ applied to my account. It's precious, but let me mention number five. This faith is precious because it and not it, he delivers from hell. Hell is a real place with real fire, separated from God. That means separated from anything good. Anything good is in relation to God. And separated from God, there is a lake of fire with physical torment where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. You will be surrounded by eternally with evil, evil, wicked people. And there's nothing there to quench your thirst. The worst of it all that we cannot imagine is separated from God. And this faith in Jesus Christ delivers us from that. We don't think about hell. Every morning, every morning, we ought to get up, and I'm preaching this to myself, we ought to get up and say, thank you, God, that you have delivered me from the lake of fire, that that is not in my future. 
by faith. That is what I deserve, God. But you and your mercy have delivered me and I can look forward to heaven. Thank you, God, for this precious faith. Help me to never take it for granted. See, to understand the preciousness of our faith, we need to understand the character and nature of God and His holiness, the character and nature of man, our wickedness. We need to understand why God is angry with sinners every day, and He is. His holiness demands that. We need to understand why hell is reasonable. In understanding that we have rebelled against God, we have rejected His love, we have rejected His character, and hell is the reasonable consequence of our rebellion. And we need to understand who Jesus Christ is and what He accomplished on on the earth. That He took our place... So that we could be, and this isn't all of it, but this is a vital part of it, in understanding that we were, our name was already condemned to hell, and the blood of Jesus Christ forgives our sins, and we are given a home in heaven. You know, we, we don't, I'm going to say, we don't think about hell enough. And because of that, we don't value this precious faith. If if we had an idea of what hell was really like, every day we'd be saying, God, thank you. Thank you for delivering me from that and bringing me to a relationship. It's not just all about deliverance from hell, but it is a major part of it. And to come to say, Peter's saying, this is a precious, precious faith. I mean, this was purchased at a great price that that we can never put an amount on or never fully comprehend. This is the same faith that the apostles had. It is rare when I look around the world today. I mean, you just look around here. How many people do you know that, that truly are Christians then why should you and I have that privilege? It is rare, let alone when you compare to the world. And not only is it a generic thing, it's personal. That we, this is a gift we have, and this gift has been given, and it delivers us from an eternal Lake of fire. Our faith is precious because it supplies our greatest need, it delivers us from our greatest danger, and it admits us to our greatest glory, which is yet to come. I pray today, if you are here today and you say, I do not know that I have this precious faith, before you leave today, that you would mention that to one of us and and we'd be happy to show you from the Bible how to receive the gift of eternal life. 
If you refuse this gift of eternal life, if you say, I I don't believe that, all that lies ahead for you is eternally tormented in the lake of fire. There is no other option. Because you don't believe it doesn't mean it disappears. It's still a reality. And the only escape is this precious faith in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sin. As I said, every day and throughout the day, we ought to be saying, God, thank you. We ought to profusely be saying, God, thank you for this personal salvation that you have given me and delivered me not only from hell, but have restored me to fellowship with you. You have given me purpose in life, and I can look forward to glorious glory because of you. Heavenly Father, may we come to value in a new way in a new measure, how precious our faith is. Lord, and because of that, may we share with joy this great news of your deliverance, of the restoration to fellowship with you, and the near prospect of our greatest glory in your presence. Lord, I pray for any individual here today that has any doubt about their eternal destiny. Lord, today, would you draw them to you, and before they leave, would they, would they seek someone out to be able to settle the matter of their eternal destiny by faith in Jesus Christ. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I am not sure that I know that I am going to heaven. I am not sure that I, am, I have escaped the fires of hell. And I wish you'd pray for me. Would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to call your name. I'm not going to embarrass you. You say, I am not sure that I have. All right? You're here today, and you'd say, as a believer, I I must admit that I haven't valued my precious faith as I should. And I wish you'd remember me in prayer that daily I would grow to value this precious faith. Would you just slip up your hands that we could pray for you? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray for any that are not sure that their eternal destiny is sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that even today they would make sure 
through calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance from sin for salvation. Then, Lord, I pray for every believer here, especially these that have raised their hand. Lord, may, may we grow daily, may I grow daily in appreciation and love for this precious, precious gift of faith. Lord, may we see more clearly the value of it. And may the value of it be reflected in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.